Welcome back to a new episode of the Soggy Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Alex. And we'll be keeping it real this week. Uh, and to get us started off, we're going to have to go with uh, John McCain. Uh, yep. John McCain is, is, uh, has passed away, for anyone who hasn't, hasn't heard. Yeah, it's a, a real tragedy to the military-industrial complex. I know mm-hmm. that Lockheed Martin's CEO tweeted out in remembrance of I'll get you a bigger defense bill, John McCain. <laughs> I never met a war I didn't want to get into. <laughs> Name a country, I'll bomb it. <laughs> I mean, I agree. The guy on on the you know on the outside, he 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 represented himself pretty well for the most part. Um, I didn't hate him always, but uh, there was times where I thought he was definitely a douche. Yeah, um, you know, honestly, I never really knew John McCain until he ran for president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in 2008. So I would have been 21. I, w- I was able to vote in that election and I did not vote in that election. Neither did I. I voted for Barack Obama exactly zero times. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't vote for the Republican either. So, uh, yeah, that's when I got to know John McCain. And then he brought that reality show puppet sarah palin onto his campaign yeah 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 that was really i remember saying uh discussing this in some of my classes and uh i was in college at the time 2008 so um i think i had political science in 2007 or 2006 or so uh so john mccain was a pretty hot topic then because uh it, it was pretty well known that he was gonna run in 2008 and I remember thinking to myself that if there was one Republican I would vote for, it would be John McCain. And then when Palin got brought on, I just couldn't do it. I could not do it. Uh, that was that was too much for me. That was too much. Um, you know, John McCain was complained about in my household, just like every politician <laughs> yep. that ever existed. <laughs> yep. like, Except for Dennis Kucinich, for whatever reason. Yeah, <laughs> he was like yeah, a hero in yeah, house. Yeah, everybody loved <laughs> and, and Ron Paul. My dad loved Ron yeah, Paul, I too. That too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, for our listeners who don't know, my father, Jim Runke, is is basically the cynical news. And, <laughs> and from a very young age, I would be, you know, in a room with him on a nine-acre farm or in a car where no one could interrupt his craziness. And he would he would educate me on the intricacies of the American government and the delivery system of propaganda. <laughs> From the time of what? You were four years yeah, old? Yeah, by the time I was five. I I honestly I honestly probably could say that I, I understood the country better than most adults just because of the way that my dad educated me which i am forever grateful for dad thank you so much you you have given me the tools to make me who i am i i don't know if that's a good thing but (laughs) (laughs) it's a funny thing yeah i'm happy with it yeah you know i'm happy with it well we would not have become friends if it wasn't for your dad probably because i remember one of the first days i met you well i first met you in geometry class and that that was all cool like we didn't talk about much but we both had mohawks so that was like yeah, he's he's all right, but then uh, I got transferred into your uh, honors world of history class with Mister Guth, and then I remember I was standing at the front there, and I saw you there by yourself looking at a globe, 
and you saw me come in and you started saying, well, you see, this country has, has missiles that can go this far across the globe, but we're afraid of this country that can shoot missiles this far across the globe. <laughs> I'll never forget that, that moment forward. I was like, all right, this kid's okay. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Jim Runke always instructed me on on what the angle of saying this person is bad is. He knew who was in charge. He knew what they were trying to accomplish. And he knew the methodology that they would go about to try to accomplish that. Yeah. And I'm very grateful that that was, like I said, taught to me. And, you know, John McCain, sorry to say, but he was part of this mechanism. You know, I could, I, you know, not a, not a horrible Republican, but compared to which other Republicans. You yeah, know? right. He was a Republican. Let's not confuse that. Yeah liberals out there he was a republican yeah best of the worst i know you've all been lining up at his casket to suck his dick (laughs) (laughs) well i mean he's in the ground now but he was part of the keating five scandal uh in which uh, a large banking scandal in which a number of washington insiders were involved in order to defraud the public uh he was a warmonger. He never, like I said, he never met a war he didn't like. McCain always yeah. wanted a bomb. McCain wanted to bomb Iraq. McCain wanted to bomb Iran. He's wanted to bomb Syria. He's been caught giving weapons to ISIS in Libya. These are accusations that are serious, but are also factual. And if you check the record, you will find that these things are true. Uh, he did serve his country. He was shot down over Vietnam and served five years as a prisoner of war in Vietnam, and horrific acts of torture were committed upon him. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. I mean, I would never fault a person for that. I'm not Trump, and I'm not saying that I prefer my heroes to be uncaptured or whatever the hell stupid thing he said. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We don't support that. Thank you very much, John McCain, for your service. I really greatly appreciate it. And I don't think that 10, 15 years ago, I would have been mature enough in order to say that. But it's the truth. And, you know, people sacrifice a portion of their lives in order to contribute to the community. And it means something. And you should appreciate it. Now, you should appreciate it, but you should also be wary of the reasons that the powers that be want to send those people into harm's way. And being proactive about knowing when they're selling you a phony war is not the same thing as being unpatriotic. It's being patriotic. To sniff out them lying about war in order to get into it. You are doing your American duty by doing that. And sadly, John McCain, after he came back, he did not do his American duty for that. Yeah, that's very true. He was a mouthpiece for these institutions so they could sell more weapons, so they could bring ever more countries underneath our military thumb, become dependent on our military force of parts and supplies for the jet aircraft that we're providing them and sustaining this whole unsustainable, undeserving industrial military complex. Like all it does is inflict pain on everyone. Yeah. It has no benefit. Um, it hurts the budget. It, it hurts, you know, how many people have we lost in, in all these wars in the last, you know, 15 years since the, I mean, a little bit more than that since the war on terror started. Um, I, I don't see how all those lives are, are worth um, 
the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Let's let's put it that way. I I, I would tend to concur, and and I suppose a, a final word on on John McCain. You know, I suppose God rest his soul. That he once publicly defended Henry Kissinger. <laughs> And anyone that publicly defends Henry Kissinger as if he's a good guy is suspect. Yeah. Yeah, suspect to say the least. Uh, so that brings me to my next question. Uh, why? Why, liberals, are we... Why is he your favorite politician? Why is he your favorite Republican? I, I just, I don't understand. The guy said, the guy said one thing about Obama not being an Arab. And it seems like everybody wants to wave the flag behind him and act like, you know, he's some kind of American hero for doing that. I mean, good on him. I, don't get me wrong. That, that is the respectable thing to do. But that should be something that is bare minimum that all these politicians are doing. Just because someone does the right thing doesn't make them a good person. And I, I just, I don't understand it. Someone please, please, please explain it to me. I, I, I see what you're saying. What he was doing was basic human decency. And if he had done that consistently, well, then you could say he's a good person. Um, I don't, I don't really don't think he was, though. I, no. I, At the end of the day, he was a politician, and he was a career politician. And uh, it, his legacy will be that of a career politician. And, um, you know, there, there's certain things, I, I think there's low blows you can take in him that Trump has taken at him, and, and, uh, that's all a bunch of bullshit, but, but at the end of the day, you, you can, if we can't criticize somebody for, for the opinions that they had as a politician and the, and the way they voted, um, then I'm not sure what we can hold anybody liable for. All right. Well, I suppose move, moving on to our next topic at, of the evening, let the, let the dead rest, uh, that uh, the Democrats all got together and, and they decided that they were going to change up the party a little bit. The Legion of Doom! (laughs) (laughs) In order to cheer up the base. You know, the ones that they cheated out of an election last time. (laughs) When that literally Dungeons and Dragons hag, Hillary Clinton. She's a night hag. (laughs) Change my mind. (laughs) Yep, yep. They actively worked to steal the election from Bernie Sanders last time. And you remember whatever they call them, the Bernistas or the the Sanderistas. That's who yeah, they were. The Sanderistas, yeah. yeah. And they uh, I remember at the, the National Convention, the Democratic National Convention, they had a big war because they knew that Bernie was getting the hose by the party. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz was well, completely in on it, uh, <laughs> had to resign, and immediately went right to work for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you remember when Hillary Clinton... Uh, the the vote came down to a coin flip in six different districts, and she won all six coin flips. Yeah, right. Uh, I've I, I've done my fair share of coin flips before. Yeah, I've never won six in a row. That's that's pretty remarkable. Oh well, no, Al. It, it's it's actually not that remarkable. Okay, it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for with a uh, weighted coin. Yeah, if I if I was smart enough to know the statistics in order to tell you, I think my brother figured it out. I think he said it was one in sixty four, and I could Google it. But let's not pretend to be that smart right off the bat. That's a lot of a lot of uh, expectations that we'll have to fulfill. And I, audience, have a have a have a tendency to exaggerate my skill set. 
<laughs> okay. Let's just leave it there. And I, I hope not to do that with you. But I'm gonna, okay? So just call me out on it when I do. <laughs> but so anyway, how they're gonna fuck over Bernie this time is they they cooked up this scheme where they were gonna take the super delegates, you know, the appointed people that have nothing to do with anything other than the establishment that decide who the the candidate from the Democratic Party is gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, without the input of the people. Yeah. Weren't there like 1,100 of them last time? And they yeah. all came out right at the very beginning and said, Clinton. Yeah, right. Like The before, establishment candidate. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it's going to be Clinton. And and let's just get it clear that the, the Republicans don't have any superdelegates at all. So it's not like something that you need. Yeah. yeah, right, right. It's just something that they cooked up so they could swing the election whatever way that they want. That's why it's there to begin with. It's there to cheat you out of your voice. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's the interesting part of the, the Democratic Party. Um, the, the Democrats in general, if you look at the way that, that uh, the, the senators vote, uh, there's always a lot more discrepancy on, on the, the Democrat side than the Republican side. Republicans generally seem to, to stick together on the issues. Um, if you look, I mean, you know, they always do the red-blue thing, and, and usually the reds are all together on one pie chart, and the blues are... are kind of together but then you always have those few few democrats that are voting the same way as the republicans it's extremely rare to see the other way around where republicans are voting the same way as, as democrats are um i i would agree i i won't claim to be educated enough in the current congressional litigation aspect of it like the things that are coming into law like i only get that news after the fact yeah I, yeah you know and and honestly these bills are so big and i'm not I'm not a lawyer. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, even if I read it, I wouldn't know what it means. Yeah. So, you know, when they divide down these party lines and they're, they're voting back and forth like that, it's like when you said that the Republicans are more unified, like, I totally agree with that. And I think that, yeah, the Democrats are a bit more fractured, but I think that's kind of part of the show. I think it's by design, because at the end of the day, these two parties, they represent the same entities. Yeah, So yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I just, I have no confidence that through one of these parties will anything be accomplished. No. The, the Republicans are too far gone, okay? And the Democrats are too far gone. Like, we think that we're going to inject all these populists into the Democratic Party. But the way the Democratic Party is constructed is to prevent that from happening. Yeah, right. Okay, they, the corporatists took over and they were like, yeah, screw the unions. Screw you. Screw the worker. We have all the money. You know, we're going to do this now. So, yeah. And if you think Zach is wrong, then why did Bernie lose the uh, nomination back in, in 2016? Yeah, you sycophants. Uh, because, <laughs> I mean, by all rights. I mean, you can look at anything. I, I did not know a single person who was polling for Hillary before the Democratic nomination. It was, it was all Bernie. It was Bernie everywhere. The stickers on the bumper stickers, I'm not just saying Facebook. I mean, I was, you know, what, 29 at the time, 30 at the time. So, yeah, most of my friends are going to be Bernie supporters. Um, I am in that age group. But, but at the same time, Driving around, it was Bernie stickers everywhere. I would hardly see a Hillary one. It was, it was once in a great while you would see a Hillary one, um, and then and then after the election, you would see the, the "I'm with her" ones or, or whatever popped up after that. Whatever that 
that pop uh yeah the the condolences for the condolences bumper sticker yeah exactly right i would see a bunch of those but before the nomination it it was bernie all the way and uh it it was stolen from him and and it's it's just a, a modern wonder that that the media isn't talking about this it really is. I mean, they are talking about it. They're saying that the Russians hacked the election. Yeah. Which we know it didn't happen. Like, uh, for those listeners out there who haven't heard, uh, there's a there's a gentleman, I'm pretty sure his name is William Binney, Bill Binney, often, William Binney. And he used to work at the NSA, and he's developed some pretty advanced uh, ciphering technologies for sorting through data in order to predict. But he left the agency shortly after, I want to say shortly after 9-11 because of the Patriot Act and the yeah, things that they were doing. He, you know, he's a conscientious objector. And he's a, a public servant, you know, one, and he's a very smart guy. And he has said that we know that it wasn't an outside hack. We are able to tell that the hack didn't originate in another country. And the way that we're able to tell this is because the information would have to go through a cable if it was going across the ocean. That information would have to travel through a cable. Yeah. And you would be able to tell how fast the download happened. Yeah. Okay. And they know that it's not possible at the rate that the download happened that it came from an outside country. Yeah. It was done through a flash drive. I see. Okay. So they know that it came from somewhere inside the building. They don't know who took it. My working theory, the one that I have think is the most plausible, is that it was that guy that got shot. Uh, well, I can't. Seth Rich. Seth Rich, the one that Julian Assange said, if you give us information, there are consequences. And then he alluded it to it being Seth Rich. And he worked for the Democrats. He worked for the DNC. And it's very, he would have had the access to do that. Yeah. yeah okay. Sure. I don't know that. It's speculation. I just feel like it's the most likely. I'm giving yeah. it the 51%. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, so we know that it wasn't the Russians. Okay. Yes, the Russians created troll Facebook accounts. Yes, the Russians actively had a misinformation campaign. Who, in who doesn't this. do that, by yeah. the way? Everyone. <laughs> everyone do does that. that. Okay, 13 Facebook accounts. You think you think 13 Facebook accounts swung the election? Yeah, no. I mean, you can have 3 million Facebook accounts. I don't think that's that's going to quite do it. I mean, I think by the time, you know, there's a few people that didn't have their mind made up uh, come come election time. Um, It it was just such a horrible election. I I will never forget it as being kind of the dark point in, in politics. Um, I, I haven't voted in an election for a while. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I have, and I was disillusioned by the 2016 election. Uh, I was disillusioned a long time ago, but I know a lot of other people who have voted in every election who did not vote in this election, or just voted for a, a third-party candidate, which, which I am a huge supporter of, by the way, um, but, but still, they voted for a third-party candidate Basically, with the mindset they were, that they were throwing away their, their vote, which I strongly disagree with. But uh, at the same time, they just they couldn't pick one of the big two. Yeah. See, I also disenfranchised, but this was the first election that I voted in. And I voted for Hillary Clinton, a person I probably despise more than anyone. I, I couldn't do it. And, and, uh, and I, I would never 
ever do something like that. And I'm not saying that anyone's wrong for doing it. Um, I understand being afraid and, and everyone was scared and, That's and what thought they had to, to vote one way. I, I totally get that. Um, but it breaks the system. It, fear breaks the system. When you, when you start voting for the lesser two evils, it breaks the system. Uh, because you have all these other candidates that you can vote for. And, uh, you know, we mentioned the other two big uh, independent candidates, which I don't know if you caught the independent debate in 2016, but it was actually interesting, and they actually talked about issues. Uh, no, I, I didn't. Jill Stein and, and, uh, and Gary Johnson. It was one of the more interesting uh, political debates I've ever seen in my life. They didn't attack each other. There was no cat and mouse back and forth, uh, cat and cat, whatever you want to talk it, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it, was, it was very interesting. Uh, it was very respectful. And um, it was politics, the way politics are, are meant to be. And uh, it still wasn't televised um, the, the way that the uh, Republican Democrat one was. Um, it, it had a little more of a, a following this year, but um, I, I think it's just a disgrace that um, everyone seems to be under the same opinion that a third party candidate is is a throwaway vote. And uh, if everybody changed their mind on that, imagine how, how different the election could have gone. Yeah, I don't think voting for a third party is a throwaway vote. And 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 like I said, I voted. Let's make it clear. I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I, I hate myself for it. All every time I think about marking that bubble next to her name, I just I just hate myself <laughs> for doing You're gonna it. Have nightmares about it. I will forever. <laughs> like I thought, it worked on me. It worked. I yeah. was like, like oh, he's gonna ruin everything, and he kind of is. But you know, I like I I have a hard time believing the establishment. Like it's obvious that the establishment is entirely against him. Yeah, you know, yeah. but like to what extent? Like, are they also him? You know what I mean? Are they, like, propping him up and it's all just a show? Yeah. Where they're, like, fighting themselves in order to, like, fracture up a, bother, a bunch of other stuff while we're not looking? Like, what's 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 the end game? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's harder to pinpoint um, conspiracy theories or to come up with a, a reasonable theory uh, with Trump because it's so easy to say that he's he's the establishment. He's a billionaire. He's, you know, he's... He's a very rich man, and and he's in power. Um, at the same time, the stuff that flies out of the guy's mouth, I, I cannot, I cannot believe any of the interest groups support any of the stuff that's coming out of his mouth. Um, I, I don't, I don't think he's he's a bought he's a bought man. Uh, I think he's too rich to be to be a bought man. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I do think he is protecting some of his rich buddies. It, you know, he his promise was to drain the swamp. Mm-hmm. And he has filled the swamp with more scum than the swamp had in it before. So, like, you know, the Russian dossier, the, you know, the thing that they say that the Russians got on Trump, you yeah. know, where the, the, he's having the hookers piss on each other or <laughs> or maybe piss on him. Like, if, if they have that tape, like, I really don't think that would ruin him. Like, it really wouldn't affect my opinion of oh, the guy. The guy was on tape saying, grab him by the pussy. And he got elected after yeah. that. Yeah. After that, okay, that didn't happen after he was already elected. He was elected after that. I don't <laughs> so think that he, hurt him. I really don't think it hurt he's him. He's completely untouchable. Yeah, the man is he's the exception to every rule. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. really amazing to watch that he can just squirm like that. And it, you know, like I think that the first time, the first time that I took 
the prospect of him winning that election seriously was, I believe it was the second presidential debate where he had all of Bill Clinton's accusers. Yes. With him in the audience. Yes. I thought that that was the most (laughs) gusto. There was so much bravado in that that move politically. Yeah, that took balls. Uh huh. Like took balls. The the Clintons. If uh, by the way, all listeners, including Democratic listeners, the Clintons are dirty. Okay, they are the dirtiest of the dirty. They're the they're the worst. They're the worst ones. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's true. So you need to get this cult of personality of them uh, you need to scrub it from your minds because they're terrible people and have been for a very long time yeah bill clinton used to work in conjunction with the cia in order to bring cocaine into arkansas like you remember that movie with tom cruise that just came out what do you think that's about people yeah like who do you think the president on the other line is? right you know so like how many small-time dealers how many small-time users are going to jail for the things that big-time people are are facilitating yeah you know and then you know oh by the way the clintons also you know ramped up putting young black people in jail you know they call what what was it they called them super predators yeah yeah they're super predators okay they put in all these terribly racist laws in order to jail young black people okay there are more young black people or black men in jail than there were slaves in in 1860 like i know that's a fact that gets said a lot but it's true and it means something yeah it does it means something when victoria's secret underwear is being made by prisoners that is some type of larger issue we're now dealing with okay it's not oh well they're they did something wrong they're in jail they need to they need to compensate for it no it's it's profit yeah I, I believe me, I agree that they should compensate for it. Okay. But I don't think it's through making Victoria's Secret underwear. No. I think yeah. maybe it's like improving yourself in some way or improving your capacity to be a more productive individual. Like you are just facilitating their profit margin, is all that that is. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's not rehabilitation. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're, t- you're paying these guys 20 bucks a month to, to make that stuff in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's the only way that they can get away with with slave labor, and it's legal within the the, the border of the United yeah. States. It is it is slavery. If you do not think that it is slavery, you're wrong. It's slavery. Remember, everyone has seen Thor Ragnarok. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok? I actually have not. Seen okay, but I normally I don't go out on a limb to watch these superhero movies because they're normally so bad. And Thor Ragnarok did have its moments where the action sequences were just a little ridiculous for too long, okay? But it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> and that's what made it good, okay? And Jeff Goldblum, he he, he steals the show. Yeah, I've seen the yeah. clips of him and yeah. uh, his his satire on, uh, in the movie. Was, yeah. It was pretty spot on. It was, it was so good. And anyway, the, the point of this that's relevant to the story that we're talking about is everyone has escaped you know, Goldblum's custody. He, like, runs a gladiator fight, and he has a bunch of prisoners for it, you know. And his, you know, evil henchman, this lady, she goes, the slaves are escaping. And he goes, don't say the (laughs) S-word. And and she says, I'm sorry, prisoners with jobs. (laughs) And he says, that's better. That's what we're, that's, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. 
It is. All right. It definitely is. So you need to get rid of the corporate prison system. Like it all, it all boils down to there. If there's a way to make money off of it, they will. And it doesn't matter how low you go, which, you know, makes me wonder where is the line? Where, where's the line? The line is being discovered and it's being pushed further and further out. I mean, um, that lies are blatantly being said and it's, it's, it's taken as a, as a joke, even if people aren't laughing. I mean, um, if you, if you think fake news or, you know, alternative facts is anything but a joke that, that somebody's getting a laugh out of, um, I, I disagree with you because th- those are, those are all pop words that, that are being invented by the media and they're laughing at you. They're laughing at you as, as you read these articles that are fake and say, this is fake news. And you still, you still quote that article. <laughs> you mm-hmm. still talk about the article that you read that you know is fake news. Yeah. Uh, the, the line, the line is being pushed out. It, there, there is no line right now. Um, a line has to be crossed eventually. But um, getting, getting back to the Bernie thing, where was the line there? Uh, Bernie clearly should have won that nomination. He clearly should have won that nomination. And then when he loses the nomination. Instead of making a fuss like he should, he basically rolls over and says that he supports Hillary now. Yeah, that that makes me entirely suspicious. Absolutely. The, the man is also part of the machine, mm-hmm. everybody. I mean, even if he runs again in 2020, he'll make promises. And, and I want to believe the guy. I, I really do. I like Bernie as, as a person. Uh, I think he's an intelligent person, and I do think he has the best interests of the country in mind, and that's not something I can say for every for every candidate. And you never know. They they could have straight up told Bernie that they were going to kill him. Like, that's not out of the question. You no, know, no, it is not. Uh, the man looks obviously stressed about a lot of things. He, he's running for president now when he's in, in his 70s. Um, I, I think he's kind of at the point where... He knows that he doesn't have much to lose uh, personally. Um, now they can still threaten other things that'll, that'll, you know, everyone always has something to lose. But uh, at 70, at you know, over the 70 mark, I don't think you can threaten somebody's life anymore and uh, their life personally, at least. And uh, they're going to they're going to bend. Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing's very curious. I mean, you know, death threats, probably not. But, I mean, we're talking about the Clintons here, people. Like, anything's possible. Who knows? I don't think anything's out of the question. And, and you know, back to the this whole point began on the superdelegates going to the, going to, now they're no longer in the first round of voting, you know, in order to make it more fair. So what the Democrats are going to do to you is they're going to stuff your ballot with four or five contenders. And in the first round, there's not going to be a clear-cut winner. They're going to run Biden and Warren and Booker and Kamala Harris. That's I, I I'm thinking that's who we're going to get. OK, you know, you can hold me to it, show. I think you're going to get Biden and Warren and Booker and Kamala Harris. And there's not going to be a clear cut winner and it's going to need to go to a second round. And then those super delegates are going to pick, in my opinion, either Kamala Harris or Cora Booker, because then they'll be able to play the race card or the, the woman card. Oh, well, if you don't vote for him, then you're a racist. And if you don't vote for her, then you're a sexist and you're a racist, you know, which doesn't work. It didn't work for you last time, Democrats. No, it didn't. Yeah, guess what? We're not all racists. 
We're not. The reason yeah. we don't like them is because they're shitty candidates. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, they're corporatists, and yeah. we are tired of corporatists. Yeah, I think they're they're waiting for, for us to play that card and for people to get outraged because, you know, of course the Democratic Party is not going to go on news and, and straight out accuse you of being racist or sexist, but they're waiting for somebody to go on Facebook and a hashtag to, to, uh, to start trending. Um, that, that basically anybody that, that votes for Trump is either a racist or anybody that doesn't vote for one of the Democratic uh, uh, candidates. Um, if it is one of the women or one of the minority candidates, I, I think it's easy you know, to, to point fingers and, and call racism yeah. or sexism. Yeah, it, it, it's so easy to call anyone a name to discredit them these days. Like, like, you know, you, okay, let's say a person is a racist. Okay, let's say that they are a racist. Like, is it better to try to make them not racist or to brand them a racist and put them in a bin? Like, I, they're more dangerous branded a racist and put in a bin. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's what I always say. I, I mean, we have a discussion not to get in too much back into this. Because uh, we already talked about it, but uh, when the when the Alex Jones things happened happened and uh, and everybody started, you know, now now accounts are being banned, and uh, that just fevers up the any any time you ban a racist racist from from speaking its mind, it just all it does is make the racist even matter. Um, well, it legitimizes then, them. Yeah, absolutely. And and now now they feel like they're being discriminated against, which um, they are. Which, yeah, which is, which, is, which is true. Which is true. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I'm not I, saying you know, that, that their opinion is one that, you know, I agree with. But at the same time, you have to let these people talk because when you shut them up, then, then is when they get pissed mm. off. Then is when they band all together. And now all of a sudden we have, you know, a bunch of broken lines and, and one, one group of people just making their way through, through all those broken lines. Yeah. I, I think I just defended racists. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Again, where's yeah, the line? I'm probably going to be branded by the. I'm probably my Twitter's probably exploding right now. Yeah, that, I. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? That, Zach is not a racist. I'll, I'll back him up. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Two white guys assuring each other not <laughs> racist. <laughs> Speak. I mean. You know, I, let's let's segue as long as we're on racist into the the newest hypocrisy, American hypocrisy. The, the funniest too. The fu oh yeah, it's so good. The memes, the Colin Kaepernick <laughs> scandal. This the saga continues. Uh, for those of you living under a rock, uh, Colin Kaepernick did a Nike ad uh, in which he said, "You know, you have to sacrifice. You know, going forward is worth it, even if you have to sacrifice everything." I, I don't. I'm paraphrasing. You can read it yourself. But uh, the positions that are being taken here are, uh, you know, one of solidarity from the left. I'm with Colin. And uh, one of product burning from the right, where <laughs> guys on their Twitter are sticking their six pairs of Nikes in their backyard fireplace. I never saw such an affluent guy burning his, burning his stuff. Look, in his chimney. He's, he's burning Nikes in his chimney, yeah. mind you. Yeah. Did you see the guy's back patio? It's all like nice stone. Like you could go out and you could buy another six pairs of Nikes and it wouldn't hurt you at all. Like yeah. you're not making a statement 
he probably bought those Nikes to burn them. Yeah. He probably didn't own Nikes before that. It's just making the statement of burning the Nikes. Yeah, if he cut up his daddy's black card, that would have meant a lot more in terms of sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, you know, Colin Kaepernick has been out of the league, what, two, two and a half years now? He's been blacklisted. Yeah, I think it's been two years now, yeah. yeah. And you're, you're telling me that he couldn't start in Cleveland last year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's plenty of like I was, I was saying to you, uh, what would happen with Jacksonville? They probably would have been in the Super Bowl if they had Colin Kaepernick at, at quarterback. Um, it would have been a very realistic possibility at the very least. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. So with Colin Kaepernick, it, it's really perplexing as to why he's not in the league uh, when. Athletes have made, you know, really controversial moves before. Like you can go back in time. Let's go back. Let's go back to the '90s. We'll go Mike, Michael Irving. You know, mm-hmm. big time cocaine user. Yeah, uh, I don't remember Michael Irving's record. I don't know if he was ever suspended by the league, but I knew that that was an issue with him. Okay, I was a kid. I don't remember the specifics, but that was an issue with him. Yeah, you know. Then you move into the 2000s, and I I remember that Ray Rice basically murdered a person. Yeah, not not Ray Rice. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. You just beat your girlfriend in an elevator. Yeah, right. You didn't murder anyone. <laughs> she didn't uh, die from her injuries. Uh, linebacker. Yeah, uh, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Yeah. yeah, he he murdered a person. It's commonly believed. Yeah. Okay. The the suit from the night of the murder has never been found or was missing from the evidence locker or something something like that. Yeah. You know, excused. Uh, Michael Vick fought dogs. Arrested. Yeah. Tried. Convicted. Put in jail. Comes back in the league. Back in the league. No problem. Gets voted comeback player of the year. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's just talk about that for a second. Not only is he back in the league, he gets his job as starter back because what happened? He was in the on the Eagles, right? And uh, did the Eagles starter go down? I don't remember. Someone out there probably remembers. I think it was uh, McNabb, wasn't it McNabb? Was it McNabb at that? Yeah, maybe McNabb yeah. in his in his farewell tour, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, maybe his, he... his last season. Uh, I think that finally finally did it for him because yeah, the Bears were talking about signing McNabb that year, trading for him. I remember that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, he he plays okay. He, he he plays like a like a quarterback with a really good team around him, um, which which was good enough to get him comeback player of the year after being disgraced disgraced for murdering dogs yeah not just fighting them but also murdering dogs yeah strangling them with his bare hands drowning them electrocuting them to death yeah shooting them okay these are all things that happened they're a matter of public record okay welcome back into the league and you know and to kind of transfer away from the nfl for a second let's go and take a look at penn state Penn State is an organization that for four decades allowed a child predator to roam its halls consequence-free, and then they were facilitating his ability to do this. Yeah. This man was taking children out on the road to hotels with him for team meetings, and Penn State isn't even kicked out of college football. No. Like, but Kaepernick, Kaepernick kneels for the national anthem and challenges police brutality, and he tries to pick up a voice. And he's excommunicated from football. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's so so hypocritical and so stupid. And and the thing about it is, is I don't even care about the whole kneeling for the national anthem thing, one way or the other. I don't agree with it. I don't disagree with it. 
I, I think the best point that I've heard at, on this is that, you know, it, this is America and people have the right to kneel or stand. Um, I, I don't think anybody, it, it's hard for me to listen to a disagreement to that. Um, I don't, I stand for the, the national anthem. I, I, I choose to do that. That's, it's a personal choice. I don't, I don't care one way or the other what anybody thinks about that. Um, am I kneeling because these other players are kneeling? No. Uh, do I care that they're kneeling? Not, not really. Um, I understand the issue that they're protesting, and I, I do think that that they, they have a point. I still think it's it's kind of an odd odd way to get people's attention. Uh, I think it's a very controversial way to get people's attention. That's not going to do your your case a whole lot of good, uh, which, which is fine. I mean, that's their right to do that. That that's completely fine. Um, but it's absolutely ridiculous that that Colin Kaepernick can't find a job because he was the first one that started kneeling. I, I completely agree. It may, by comparison of the under other individuals that we listed and stated and the crimes that they have been known to commit, which he has not committed a crime. It's not yeah, a crime. Right, right. Absolutely. Let's get yeah, that straight. Yeah. He's not in prison. He hasn't been tried or convicted yeah. of anything. He hasn't done anything that that's illegal. And, and some of the arguments that are made are similar to the censorship on Facebook arguments. Well, it's a job. It's a private company. They can yeah. do what they want. The NFL. Right. The NFL, by the way, in case you don't know, which I didn't know because it just seems unbelievable. The NFL is a nonprofit organization. Yeah, I remember hearing yeah, that. That's, yeah. yeah. So guess, guess what nonprofits don't have to do? Pay any taxes. Yeah. All right. So y- you have that. Uh, and... They work, the NFL, by the way, works in hand in hand with the Department of Defense. All of these halftime show displays that you're seeing of like the veterans, you know, marching out on the field and everything, they're all sponsored by the Pentagon in order to get you waving the flag. And don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not against the veterans. And that's not what it means. Like they weave these two arguments together into one argument. Okay, let's talk about the issue of Colin Kaepernick for a second. Colin Kaepernick kneeled to protest police brutality against black people, okay, or all people, you know. I, I was, but I mean, it was kind of tied in with the Black Lives Matter thing, so yeah. you can you can kind of say, you know, that's where it's coming from. And Black Lives Matter is full of a lot of you know radical leftists that do a lot of things that I don't like, okay. That they are, they're a lot of them are just jerks, okay, but not all of them. Okay, it's just like anything else. Yeah, exactly. It's just like yep. anything else. The majority of it is not bad, but then there's a small segment of it that is bad, that's the loudest, and that's the one that the media focuses on in order to make you think that's what everything is like. Yeah. Like, everything is an extreme. Like, according to the media, everyone is an extremist. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, no, they're not. You, if you affiliate with any certain group, you're you're an extremist. Yeah. You, oh, this is what you believe, and you're gonna foam at the mouth and die for it, which is just not true. That's just not how people work. Like most people are pretty decent. Yeah, they, they really are. Like we, we're like we've talked about this last week. We're both salespeople. Like we talk to, I, I talk to hundreds of human beings a month. The, the the majority of them are pretty decent. Yeah. You know, it's the ones that aren't decent that I remember, you know, just like anything. But the majority of people are pretty decent. Yeah. And sometimes I find myself like thinking about them and, and, uh, you know, shaking hands and we're having a good conversation and laughing. And I I start thinking, like, if this person knew my political opinion, would we still be like laughing and shaking hands like this and and having a good time? 
And I think that is, that's so sad that it's gotten to that point that everybody is, is so fed on this bullshit. Um, if you just have a conversation with a person, I think nine out of 10 times, you're going to find some common ground and you're going to like that person. Uh, maybe that's just the kind of person I am. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why we got into sales because we like people generally. I, I don't know. But at the same time, I, I do find myself thinking about that. And, and, uh, there is a customer last week who's who was wearing a shirt that said something about you know uh, are you going to pry these uh, guns out of my hand when I'm I'm holding another gun in your face or something like that like it was an outright shirt like I'm going to shoot you in the head if you try coming for my gun <laughs> and I'm looking at this guy's shirt like why did you choose to wear this into a store and and here you are coming right up to me just you know with a smile on your face and, and we're getting along fine. And halfway through the conversation, I see the shirt you're wearing and uh, it, it didn't outright change my opinion of this person, but it, it did make me think of him in a different way. Like what is this guy going out and doing on a weekend? Is he, is he going out and beating people? Is he, is he putting bags <laughs> over people's heads and like dragging them on his, on his pickup truck? I, I have no idea, but you know, he, he was the nicest guy, and we were talking about a garage door opener or something like that. And we had a good 20-minute conversation about his house, and now it got struck by the lightning and stuff, and it was a good conversation. He was a good guy. Uh, but but here he is wearing this <laughs> wearing this shirt about blowing a hole in somebody's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I agree. Like, the majority of the people, they're pretty decent, but, like, when you, when you, there, there seems to be these, like, small little niches that if you like move or niches however fuck yeah. you internet you know <laughs> that, that if you move in on them uh that like battle lines are pre-drawn and they're like pre-programmed to have a response and you know with the black lives matter thing like like we said the majority of those people are probably good and a small segment of them are bad and with the police department the majority of those people are good and a small segment of them are pretty bad yeah you know, just like everything is that way. Everything is a complicated issue. Okay. And I'm sure that the majority of people are going to agree, but we're just whipped up into these divisive storms where no one can actually talk about anything. Yeah. It's like, are there gangs in bad neighborhoods? Yes. Is it the majority of the citizens? No. Right. Okay. Okay, but guess what? The majority of the citizens still have to live under the fear of those gangs. Yeah, exactly. And they have to live under the fear of the reality that they could get shot at any time. So it like it makes like living in a high stress environment like that has got to mess you up somehow. And like luckily enough for me, I'm like, you know, I'm I think I'm I, I was born lower middle class. You know, I elevated to middle class. You know, I, I'm white. You know, I, I have advantages in life. You know lucky thing i'm so lucky i'm really really lucky you know and i don't i never had to deal with that so you know thank god and my dad was a policeman and he probably hates policemen more than anyone i've ever met in my life (laughs) which is awesome (laughs) yeah he was my dad for the record was a policeman in chicago for 20 years and just like we were talking about earlier on how he would instruct me on how the press was just selling it for the government he would instruct me on how the police were just personal enforcement for the corporation yeah for the cash cow yeah and the thing is like they are okay i know that there are a lot of good cops you don't you think that i don't think that we need cops like we need cops we're right absolutely we need them like if you're stupid if you think that we don't need police yeah and thank you police for going out there and 
like literally picking up a radio call where your life could be ended if you take this call. Yeah, I, I mean, anything they do. I just had the, I had a situation at, at work where I locked my keys in my car. And uh, as I locked my keys in my car, I also left the keys or the light on in my car and my battery died and I couldn't get in my car. And I had to call the cops. The cop came out. He doesn't know who I am. He comes right out. He was, it, this was the best experience I've ever had with a police officer in my life. I, I was so nervous um, because I, I'm just always nervous around cops. They, they've made me like this because I've had bad experiences before. The majority yeah. of them have not been bad experiences, but I have had bad experiences before. Uh, but this guy was so awesome, and, and he came out, and I wish I got his name, and I wish I got his badge number. Uh, if I ever run into him again, I'll, I'll be sure to get those things and write a letter about him because he was the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. He came out. He was super friendly. He took about five seconds breaking into my car, which uh, he joked was a little scary. Um, but but I was glad that he was you know one of the good guys, so to speak. Uh, but but he was awesome. He was he was really cool, and I was so thankful. And that's exactly what what this community needs. And you know anybody who's who's saying that all cops are bad should really sit down with this guy for about five minutes because he was the nerdiest, friendliest guy I've ever met in my life. And I can never imagine him ever punching anybody in the face that didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And he was the gentlest, just kindest guy. He was almost too kind. And I almost felt bad for him uh, because he, he came right out not knowing who I was and was shaking my hand and was super friendly. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope the day doesn't come where, where somebody is, you know, just just decides that they've had a bad day and are going to try to hurt him. Um, I'm, I'm sure his training will protect him from that. But at the same time, I, I really hope that, you know, he, he's he's got an eye on everybody because he was the friendliest person I've ever met. Yeah. And then, you know, so there you have it, America. Things are complicated. Yeah. Things are complicated. So stop getting whipped up into a frenzy over every little thing. Yeah, like the two sides on this issue are ridiculous. You've got people burning their knives. Why? Yeah, okay, like, yeah. that's know. just a perfectly good pair of shoes that you just burn. And I mean, it, it's kind of a funny argument, but you know, I see the liberals going on there and saying, "Oh, you just burn that pair of shoes that you can donate to a homeless veteran that you pretend to care about." You know what? You know what? No, no. It, I mean, that's that's kind of funny, and and it's true. It's true too, but it just it just more justifies the argument that you don't care about homeless veterans as as a leftist, um, as a leftist, um, right? You're you're alienating them even more for having that opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's not what we should be doing here. But very funny, it is funny. Yeah, we're just driving um, the wedge in here deeper. Yeah, you know? exactly. But I, I mean, and, but I do agree. You're, you're burning a perfectly good pair of shoes. Um, if you donate those shoes to, to Goodwill or, or anything else like that, you're still getting rid of the shoes. You're still mm-hmm. boycotting the company, um, but you're not being a douche about it. Um, and I, I think burning the shoes is being the biggest possible douche about the situation, uh, which is everyone's prerogative. If you want to be a big douche, then go ahead and be a big douche because you're not going to, you know, differentiate, differentiate yourself from anybody else in 2018. But because yeah. we're all in a competition to see who can be the biggest douche. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so our message here at the Soggy Podcast is just stop burning the shoes. It's dumb. Yeah. It's really dumb. It is. Okay. And now our message for the other side is you're you're in solidarity with Nike. Think about that for a second. 
you're supposed to be on the left. You're supposed to be a champion of, you know, for the the rights of the worker. Yeah. And you're sticking up for a company who has child labor. Yeah. Uh, accused of it several times. Um, and then, you know, when they get in trouble, they, they just up and, and move their plants. And basically all these people that are making 20 cents an hour are now unemployed because they've changed countries that they that they produce the sneakers in. Uh, it's a ridiculous argument. It's a ridiculous um, company to, I mean, I mean let, let's get this out there. Nike is the one profiteering off of your arguing right now. Yeah. Nike is, I've seen that swoosh more times in the past two days than I have in my life with all the memes. And uh, you all think it's funny and it is funny, but, but guess what? You just gave Nike who, you know, paid uh, Colin Kaepernick an undisclosed sum. It, it's not it's not on the internet how much you got paid. Uh, I did look at that right away. But at the same time, whatever money they just paid for him, you have just helped them spend that money in spades because you have just posted the swoosh on Facebook over and over and over again. Free advertising for this company for basically the rest of their lives. Um, I know their their stock was down four points or four percent or whatever right at right after this happened, but it's it's going to bounce right back, and uh, Nike's going to be on top after after this happens. Yeah, after the smoke clears. Yeah, I mean, come on, and and by, let's get real here, people. By next week, you're going to forget all about it. Yeah, you're going to be buying. Well, I don't know. I don't know because it, it seems like that we were talking earlier about where's the line. I think the line is Colin Kaepernick kneeling. During the national anthem, oh, that does seem to upset a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's something that a lot of people take personally, um, because either end of that argument is very personal. I think anybody who's arguing against uh, the the um, the NFL players kneeling uh, gets branded a racist, and I think that pisses them off even more that they're getting branded a racist. Because um, I I really don't think that in their heart that race is at the center of this. Um, now, on the flip side, race is very much in the center of this, of the people kneeling. And uh, I totally respect that. And uh, to anybody in the uh, in the Black Lives Matter movement, I, I am getting out of your way. Uh, you, you do whatever you need to do. I'm not going to stop you. Uh, it's not my job to, to stop you. My my part in this as, as a white American is to, to stand aside and and uh, quietly watch this unfold. And that is my role in all of this. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, my position on the whole thing is, I, believe it or not, don't understand what it's like to be black. Yeah. You know, I don't understand. Either, either do I. Um, and in my personal situation, I know you're talking about your dad. Um, my dad does not have white skin. My brother does not have white skin. I have white skin. <laughs> um, I have seen the difference in my life since I was a kid. Of, of what that's like. Um, it, it's scary. Uh, my brother has been pulled over more times than, than I have um, and harassed every time he gets pulled over. My brother does not look like a bad person. He does not look like, like somebody who's pulling something over on somebody. He doesn't have drugs in his car. He's not that kind of guy. Um, he still gets harassed every time he gets pulled over or, or at least did when he was, especially when he was younger. Uh, he hasn't been pulled over in a while, but uh, he would get pulled over and the cops would tell him he looked like somebody and they need to search his car. Uh, that would happen pretty, pretty routinely. 
pretty routinely. Um, the same thing would generally happen to my dad. Uh, my dad, who is also the most American flag-waving, patriotic person I have ever met in my life, also got called an Arab in 2001, right after 9-11 happened, because he had a beard and his skin isn't white. And, and I remember this happening at the grocery store. And uh, we lived in a small town in Wisconsin, and we went to the grocery store, and somebody was staring him down the entire time, and the guy called him an Arab. And after that, my dad, I know he, he kind of talked about it and he was pissed about it, but I know he was scared about it because every time after that, he started wearing the American flag bandanas. Everywhere he went, he had the American flag bandana on. And I know that was his way of like uh, wearing the piece of flair that, that was saying, hey, hey, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm not, I'm not an Arab. I'm not going to. That's kind of scary. It is. It, it, was, it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. I remember seeing that as a kid, and I was what when that happened? I was 14 years old. I remember seeing that as a 14 year old kid and thinking, what the fuck is going on here? What the f-? The, My dad is not Arab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's from a small country off the coast of Italy. He's, he's more Italian than anything. And uh, because his skin isn't white, he's been discriminated against by these people. And it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what it's like to have even dark skin like my dad. And that's different from, from being a black person even, um, or any other race. It, it's different for all of us. Um, but I, I can tell you it, it, it's scary, and I've seen the difference. Um, I, I think it's ridiculous that white privilege is a thing in, in 2018, but um, I can tell you from a matter of personal experience that it is a thing. Yeah, I, it, I, I mean, like when I was in Missouri, when I lived in Missouri, like that's where it became apparent. Oh yeah, obviously apparent. Yeah, like um, you know, I'm gonna talk shit about Missouri because it sucks. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you, Missouri. You're terrible. I lived in a town called. Uh, I I don't I don't want to say the town because like <laughs> like I'm, I'm I'll just you don't want a lynch mob driver. No, here. I'll just I'll just do it generically against the state. <laughs> but I, when I first got there, I had to start a job. So I walked into a, a, a popular haircutting outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was less than a minute before I heard the N-word. Wow. Yeah. And like, I, I, I'm from North Chicago. I've never heard the N-word in public in like civilized conversation. Like I've heard people say it, you know, but, yeah. but never like in public you know yeah, right you know that's just not a thing that you do and like you don't even say it in private like it's it's really poor taste it's you know but in missouri it was like oh it was like right out in the open and i worked i worked with a couple uh of guys i i, I worked where i had to like unload trucks with a pork truck and one day a shipment came in, so I like walk in the back and I was trained on the pork truck. So I get on the pork truck and I start unloading it. And w- about an hour and a half later, like we finish up and like we break, and like these two guys they come over to me, they're they black guys. Um, and they they said to me, Where are you from? And I said, I'm I'm from north of Chicago. They're like, Oh, that explains it. And I was like, what? They're like, you don't know how things work here, do you? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, all right, I'm from Kansas City. He's from Calumet City. He goes, and we're going to tell you that you shouldn't help us. 
And I was like, what do you what do you mean? He's like, did you not notice that everyone that works this department is black? And I I really hadn't, you know, like I wasn't thinking about it. Like, yeah, they were all black, but I didn't like think about it. Yeah. You know, he, he said the reason that we're all black is because this is the only area of this place that's not like accessed by the public. So they like they worked in that department because white people couldn't see them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he, he, he was basically letting me know that if white people see you helping us, they're not going to like it. Yeah. Right. You know? And, and I was like, I was like, whatever, man, who cares? And he's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> and then he proceeded to tell me this story of something that had happened there a couple years prior, uh, where a forest ranger that was not from the area came in and he caught some guys poaching geese. They were shooting geese out of season. <laughs> and he wrote him a ticket. And apparently they found this guy tied to a tree stuffed full of geese like a month later. Oh my God. Okay, now I, I never was able to verify this story. I don't know if it's true, but it, it's horrifying. Okay. Yeah. He's like, that's the way that these people are. And, like, I took my dog for a walk one day in the little town that I lived in, and I, like, walked down, and there was, like, a little one-story building, and there was a big sign out in front of it, and it was vandalized. And you walk over there, and you read the sign, and it's a, seg it's a segregated school. Like, this is some type of, like, historical marker, almost. Like, you know, they put a sign out in front of it, so you would know what it is, so you would know what the segregation was. And, like, the whole structure was, like, defaced. And, like, you couldn't like you couldn't associate with black people like and and not get looked at funny by the community it was a very very strange thing and like you could feel the energy of it. yeah like right. that that was the weirdest part of it like anybody that you know you know that you can just feel energy in a room oh, you like absolutely. walk into a room and somebody's having an argument you can just feel it yeah well like you could feel that um, you could that feel would the racism. Yeah, you could feel the racism. <laughs> and another guy I worked with out there, a white guy, he was from Boston. This guy, good guy. And he's telling me, you know, so I'm talking to him about it later, you know, because all I did was make friends with people from the north. Okay. Because, you know, they were okay, but everybody talked too slow. Okay. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. They, all, they can't keep up with Chicago pace talk. You got to slow way down. Yeah. Um, and they're just racist. Yeah terribly racist and he said this his story is so funny he's like i can't remember the name of the store oh man but anyway he walks into the piggly wiggly and he's in the piggly wiggly and he's shopping for groceries and the freaking some old lady comes over to him and she goes what are you doing here white boy <laughs> and he's like what what are you talking about He's like, you can't shop at the Piggly Wiggly. White people don't shop at the Piggly Wiggly. You need to go to the Super Saver. And, and he's like, and then he like started looking around and he's like, I noticed that everyone was like looking at me. And he's like, the manager came over and he was like, we got it. We got to get you out of here. You know, because like, that's how segregated it is. And that's like how out in the open it is. So like for those people, so for you people out there that think that like, Oh, white privilege is made up or, or racism isn't real. Yeah. Like you get just, real. yeah, just drive to Missouri, yeah. get out of the car, <laughs> walk in to get your haircut and just 
watch and yeah. and be white. Also be white. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, I wouldn't recommend doing that if you're not white. <laughs> Nothing will probably happen. But the attitude will be, I wish it could. Okay, I'm telling you that. That's that's legitimate. So just just be careful and you know, nobody likes racism, nobody likes police brutality. Let's just kind of like Put the issue to bed and not burn our stu- not burn our shoes over this stupid, stupid crap. Yeah, right. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, your energy is wasted. Um, get over it. it you're not going to change anything by burning shoes. Yeah, I wish I could remember the name of the store. <laughs> <laughs> it's in some southern store. Don't you know that white people shop at there? <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I suppose segueing into our final segment is the Chicago Bears acquisition of Khalil Mack. Huge. From a, the, the stupid Oakland Raiders. There's just <laughs> yeah, no yeah, other way exactly. to put it. Exactly. I, I like how the, the Raiders are coming out, and even the Raider fans are coming out. Oh, th- this is a good idea. Th- this is a good thing. Our defense sucked. Khalil Mack wasn't ever going to be happy here. This is a good move for both parties. No, no, no it wasn't. it's not. You have a quarterback who's on the rise who's young. Yeah. You just basically gave him no chance of winning this season. That's going to break his confidence, and it's going to break your franchise. Yeah. It, We've seen it happen before with other teams. It'll happen again. The Raiders are going nowhere this season and as a result they're probably going nowhere for the next 10 years you can mark my words yeah they traded okay i what i found okay now anyone that's followed this story has seen the conversation going back and forth but one thing that i stumbled onto today was the fact that he traded khalil Mack for less assets than Oakland traded Tampa Bay in order to acquire him as a coach. Tampa Bay received two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and $8 million cash <laughs> in order to acquire John Gruden as coach. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Two first-rounders, two second-rounders. Now, they Chicago, you know, the hometown crowd, we gave them, what, two first-rounders, a third-rounder, and a sixth or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They gave us back a second round pick. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, you're going to give us Khalil Mack and a number two? Yeah, right. The, okay. The, the trade makes absolutely yeah. no sense. And then a conditional fifth round. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I was watching the interview with, uh, I think it was Skip Bayless and, you know, his posse of, of Jabber Jaws. Yeah, the guys that like to yell. <laughs> yeah, I think Shannon Sharp is on that one. It's whichever one Shannon Sharp is on. But uh, he, he had an excellent point, and, and then uh, he, he said um, one of those two first-round picks better end up being Khalil Mack. And uh, the chances of that are exponentially against the Oakland Raiders. You gave up a player who is already proven. Yeah, you, you he's gave a generational up, talent. Generational talent. This is going to be the next Chicago linebacker that is, in, you know, joins Erlacher and Briggs and from our generation mm-hmm. and, and before that Singletary and, you know. Butt kiss. You, you can go way back. You can go way back at, the, at these guys. And uh, Richard Denton, even though he's a defensive end, uh, we ran a 4-3 at that time, so that was a little bit different. But, um I, I mean, it, 
he goes back. He, he's with all those names. He's he's a generational guy who is going to be very good for the next several years, barring some kind of Bears-like disaster. But, oh, uh, don't say it out loud. <laughs> okay, Don't say Bears-like disaster out loud because we've seen it so many times. Yeah, it, it does happen. Um, I, and I, you know, I, I genuinely don't wish ill on anybody. And, and Khalil, we're, we're happy to have you here. Um, but, but, um, it, it's absolutely mind boggling how little we had to give up to get a player of, of this magnitude, uh, because his home organization didn't want to pay him because he outperformed his contract. Yeah. Um, when somebody outperforms their contract, that that's a good thing. Let's get that straight. It's a good thing. You always keep cap room for these kind of situations. Uh, and Khalil Mack is this situation. Uh, you guys should have should have nabbed him for for a six year extension. Instead, you you shipped him off to the Chicago Bears for an organization that is now on the rise. You could have argued that before that we we sucked, and uh, I and which made, we have. So. Yeah, I would have made that argument right there with you. Uh, we had a pretty good uh, front seven. We just didn't have somebody rushing on the other side of Leonard Floyd, and and now we do. Um, not and, just somebody. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now we have the the one of the best pass rushers um, in in the league. Um, so I, I don't get it. I don't understand the trade. Um, when I saw your text, I was at a wedding and uh, I I nearly dropped my phone uh, when I saw that. Uh, and then I was reading all the articles and stuff, and um, I, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. And, and you know, I've I've seen some. In, have you seen interviews with Khalil Mack? Yeah, the he guy seems is awesome. awesome. He's a badass. He seems awesome. Well spoken. Yeah. Uh, obviously, an extremely intelligent guy. Yeah, obviously, an extremely intelligent guy. Yeah. Um, doesn't he, want to talk shit. No, he's like, I'll show you on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to. You know, he, he's he doesn't seem arrogant. He um, the the first thing he said is, you know, they. I think I I saw a press conference or some kind of interview with with them where they were trying to inflate his ego, and he he just put it to a dead stop. They were saying, you know. How do you feel that there's already billboards on the, on the expressway going into Chicago that, that mention your name? And uh, Chicago fans are basically dancing on tables because you've, you've been brought into Chicago. And he, he put an end to all that. He, he just said basically, oh, well, the reason I'm excited to be here is to play football and to learn this new system and, and meet my teammates and uh, uh, learn the plays and, and learn the playbook. Uh, if that's not the perfect response to that to that question to trying to inflate uh, a player's ego, uh, I don't know what is. This guy is clearly not Terrell Owens. He's clearly not an asshole who, who is all about himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's clearly a team player. Cam Newton. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, those guys are great talents. Don't get me wrong. But they're douches. Um, but they're douches, and they uh, are. You know, how many Super Bowls do they have? Exactly. So, you know, it's very excited, very excited for Khalil Mack to be in Chicago. Uh, we were, I mean, last year it was hopeless. It's been hopeless in Chicago for a long time. Yeah, since Lovey left, it's, it's been hopeless. I mean, even um, when Lovey was here. I mean, Even when Lovey was here, it was, it was questionable. Um, but at least the defense was the unstoppable. The defense was always good, and the, and the special teams was always solid. Mm-hmm. Tillman ripped 10 footballs out of people's hands. The guy was in, insane. In that one year. Tillman, Tillman, yeah. I mean, he's overshadowed by Brian Erlacher and uh, some of our defensive ends at the time, and, and uh, obviously Briggs. Uh, 
but the guy was also a generational talent. I mean, he gets, you know, he's, he was a shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. No one ever called him a shutdown corner because I, he was known for punching balls out of players' hands yeah. as a cornerback. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, I look, I was looking at his stats the other day, seeing if he would be a Hall of Fame consideration. And I legitimately think he, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. The, in, unquestionable. Yeah. If you look at the number of turnovers he generated and the number of touchdowns that he has, it's yeah. obscene. It's it obscene. Yeah. He's he should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, I mean, we're gonna make so Peanut. We want you in there. You belong, definitely. Um, but going back to the the point about how it's been hopeless in Chicago, my first my first real memory of the Bears organization is Ditka's firing and the hiring of Dave Wanstead. <laughs> if I could tell you how many times I heard my dad scream about Alonzo Spellman. and how bad he is and how dave wanstead sucks and they've got they've had a pussy offense for 25 years the offense has been consistently run the ball for no gain run the ball for no gain screen pass yeah or if not longer than that i mean we've we've had our 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 uh our standouts definitely Mm -hmm. matt forte Probably the most recent one. Amazing player. Amazing, Amazing player. And unceremoniously, dis- yeah. you know, disgraced it, by the organization. Exactly. Same thing with Thomas Jones. Solid running back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, not not the kind of caliber of player as as Matt Forte was. Sorry, Jones. But um, traded away in favor of Cedric Benson, who turned out to be a dud. Yeah, a bum. Um, yeah, an absolute dud. Um, Locker room killer. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the, killed all the momentum of the organization uh, back when he got traded, what, 2007? Something like that, so. yeah. I think it was after the year after the, the Super Bowl uh, year. Um, but yeah, the, the defense has, has been horrible. I mean, um, or the, the offense, okay, excuse yeah. me. The defense has also been horrible until last year, then we started to pick it back up, but uh, under what what was that idiot's name? I don't even remember our coach before John Fox. What was that? Oh, idiot's Mark name? Trustman. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, Consider man. yourself lucky yeah. for being able to block him out. The uh, the amount of steps we took back under that moron's direction was. I mean that that should have by all accounts killed the organization. It did. It it did it, for a it while. Did. It should have killed it for even more. Yeah. Um, it it should have absolutely killed the organization, but. My point was, Lovey was was a good coach, and uh, and um, I always like you know pointing out when I'm right about things, and that's you know probably a character flaw on my part. On my part, but uh, I the day that he got fired, I I posted it on Facebook, and it pops up in my memories every day and it make, or every year, and it makes me so proud to see that. And uh, I I said how stupid it was to fire a coach that got us to the playoffs what three times um, had. And more wins in in the playoffs than any other Bears coach in recent memory, and also had a season that was ten and six and missed the wild card because our division was insane that year. Well, it has Aaron Rodgers in it. Yeah, it, it's always going to be a stacked division when you have Aaron Rodgers because even if Green Bay has injuries, they still have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, unless he gets injured like last year, but. Um, I mean, the division is, is insane, but I, I posted on Facebook that it was a stupid decision and it would be a long time before the Bears organization was good again. And that was how many years ago was that now? Like 2011. 
2011. Yeah. yeah. It might have been a couple years after that. Because we yeah. had three years of Fox, two years of Tressman. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. And then Fox. Fox was the most boring man on the planet Earth. Fox was more disappointing because the expectations of him coming in were so high. I mean, this here's a guy that's proven that's taken, you know, uh, how many teams, two different teams in the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. just a couple years before Denver that? Denver was one of them, yeah, and I, I think Denver Carolina was, was the first one. Okay, yep. yep yeah, yeah. I, it might have been right near the time that they became a team. Yeah. Yeah, um, but anyways, I mean, uh, here's a guy that's absolutely proven and uh, comes into Chicago and runs the same offense I've seen for the past 15 years. Disgusting. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't know if they have this this playbook and they have this secret meeting before, you know, every year of, of Bears football. And they say, here's the playbook. And uh, if you if you if you uh, vary from this, you're fired. Mm-hmm. But it really seems it, seems it does like seem that way. Uh, Trustman I, had some tricky plays in there. There was a couple things that were flashy, but. Yeah, crap. maybe in the Canadian football league. <laughs> yeah, no one had ever seen them run anybody attempt to run that crap here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but this year we have, I think I have hope, which as a Bears fan, putting yourself out there in that vulnerable way, it, it's going to hurt me. I mean, yeah, I'm expecting to get let down. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still expecting to let down, but then there's, you know, there's a little piece of me that's like, oh, let's bring this to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting. I think our defense is good enough to do what the 2006 defense did. Um, I know we don't have the Brian Erlacher. We don't have the play caller on the, on the defensive side. We don't have the, but we don't run that system anymore where we mm-hmm. have a middle linebacker that's, that's called yeah, cover two, Tampa two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't have that system anymore. It's a different system. Um, let's see what happens. I, I think our offense is good enough that if our defense is that good, it'll, um, it'll, um, be, be good enough to, to get us there. Yeah, I, I I really, really hope that we're good. I think seeing the moves that they made this offseason, I like this Matt Nagy guy. Yeah. He's the first Bears coach that I've seen do an interview, and I don't hate him. Yeah. Like, he has a personality. Yeah, right. He has a personality. Seems like a funny guy. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a pussy. Like, and we've just had pussies here for 25 years. Yeah. So it's it's nice to see that. It's nice to see the team maybe going in the right direction. And I, I have high hopes. I, I think that this team could make the playoffs. I think this team has potential to make the playoffs. And uh, I, I'm excited to see where it goes on Sunday. Um, but, I mean, we've already been running this for about an hour and 20 minutes. I, I think that's enough for this episode of the Soggy Podcast. I think so. Um, but thanks for coming back, tuning back in. We will try to get one of these up a week. Uh, and see where it goes. Bye, everybody. Thank you.